Greetings, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Let's go ahead and start with the, with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Welcome again to today's reading of the 29th of November. Daily Reflections, a little bit of Grapevine, and of course from my sponsor, King Solomon, a book from 3,500 years ago. It's kind of uh, interesting. I sat in the park about 13 years ago, maybe 14. I hate dates when people take a long time to say what date it was, really. It's just nonsense, isn't it? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening in to me today. Fourteen years ago, I sat in the park with the big book, and you can do this too. You send them and you tell others that you're starting a new meeting, and you'll get responses like, we don't need any stinking meetings. You'll get responses like, what authority do you have to start a meeting? You'll get responses like, this place can't afford the meeting to keep it going. And then you'll get responses like, we already have too many meetings. These are from some of your friends and some of your enemies. Or they'll call you control freak, you know. But anyway, today there's about 15 people that come out on a daily basis on that meeting. And why did I tell you that? I had a point. The rabbit trail has not come back yet. It'll come back in a minute. Why did I mention that? Well, let's go ahead and read today, Daily's Reflection, and hopefully the rabbit will come back with the message of the finish up that story. Thank you so much for being patient and kind with me. I did burn up a lot of cells drinking out there. I am truly an alcoholic. You know, I was just uh, reminiscing on the numbers. They say that under 3 million people are sober throughout the world. You know, that's to the best of estimates, you know, um, that I see in my own estimate. I see a lot of people that that I haven't seen them in a while, and I work with them, and they're sober. Hey, Fernando, I'm so sober. It just, like, it really, really uh, surprises me. They are staying sober. So I came to a conclusion that there's a lot of non-alcoholics that come here and, and get themselves straightened out. And they see us, they see our signs, they see the listing, they think about alcohol. They have willingly chose not to drink. About 15 million of those. And now those 15 million, say 15 to 20 million, have influenced another 300 million. Yep, all over the world. Those are information I heard from other speakers on the podium. Not here, but internationally through the uh, uh, conferences that we have had an incredible amount of influence the program has on society and people's lives. Think about it. How many people have not written or started rehabs or written books or gone yoga or sharing out their families or done well when they come to this extraordinary 12-step program where it hits every problem a human being can have with an addiction. 12-step program really rocks. 
There were some other statistics and how many people die and what's the number one cause of the legal alcoholism in the United States. I think it was 145,000 deaths a year, probably from driving and drinking and other causes. And you know, there's a lot of drinking that went on and the shame uh, said his liver went or other things went or natural causes when a person dies. But really, it's all alcohol-related. Amen. So I'm very happy to be part of it. So today's daily reading is called Active Guardians for November 29. By the way, today's my birthday, belly button birthday. Um, we have a lady at the park that comes. I haven't seen her in a while, but she comes every so often. And she hangs around homeless people. She's not homeless herself, and but she's... She always comes to the meeting and she tells the people, it's my birthday. And everybody gets all happy. And I guess she likes the response she gets. I talked to other people and they said, yeah, she came over here and said it was her birthday. And we we have a good chuckle. So really, it is my birthday. God bless you. Okay, daily reflections. To us, however, it represents far more than a sound public relations policy. It is more than a denial of self-seeking. This tradition is a constant and practical reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. In it, each member becomes an active guardian of our fellowship. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 83. The basic concept of humility is expressed in the 11th tradition. It allows me to participate completely in the program in such a simple yet profound manner. It fulfills my need to be an in integral part of the significant whole. Humility brings me closer to the actual spirit of togetherness and oneness, without which I could not stay sober. And remembering that every member is an example of sobriety each one living the 11 tradition, I am able to experience freedom because each one of us is anonymous. Amen. And just like our, our higher power is anonymous, we are anonymous. He does things and we figure out it's God. Is it odd or is it God? Tradition 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Amen. You know, it would be good if us individually have pamphlets to pass out, pamphlets to the public saying what is Alcoholic Anonymous or what is alcoholism in the family. Any kind of pamphlet and pass them out like Jehovah Witnesses do. Can you imagine going down door to door? And we know those are drinkers and put them on your computer and have a grid that you're farming the area and getting people awareness that there's Al-Anon, Alatine. That will incredibly influence millions of people if we as an army did that. I'm going to go ahead and take my own advice and put some there and I'll give you a report. I have a friend next door that they pound a lot of beers I always say hi to them. I'm very kind to them. I give them their donuts that we have when we have too many from the park to their kids. And they're very always kind. And I can tell his, his thinness says he drinks a lot. So 
that's not me to determine. It's himself to determine. So I believe I brought the friendship up enough so I can drop a pamphlet to him. I have dropped a pamphlet to him before, and he said, I will read this. If nothing came of it. Well, I'll go and drop off another one. All right, moving right along. And today for our spokesperson, our speaker is April 1993 Grapevine. I love these guys. I love it. Right here we have from Lompoc, California, Barney, a story. And then we also have uh, a teenager in Paris. These are the categories of the written... The guy at the end of the bar, these are all stories. Manufacturing misery. Woo! Step four, we set them on paper. Another one, the God of my misunderstanding. That's an article. I found what I wasn't looking for <laughs> from Chatsworth, California. AA and treatment facilities, part two. And, and then it has uh, also a story in Spanish here in the grapevine before they made their own uh, viña, their own version of grapevine. Un médico comparte su experiencia, fortaleza y esperanza. I think I'll read that, read that in Spanish too. <laughs> Thank you, God. All right, let's go to Barney, get the story straight. Let's go ahead and say the uh, third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. It's difficult to define the spiritual aspect of AA's 12 steps or the magic that happens when one alcoholic reaches out to help another. Relating personal experiences is the most effective way of demonstrating the magic. So I want to describe an incident that happened to me during my first couple of years of sobriety. At the first AA meeting I attended, people passed around a meeting schedule and some of them put their names and phone numbers on it. It was then given to me with the understanding that if I were ever tempted to take the first drink, I was to call until I got hold of one of these people first. I never called any of them, but I thought it was a really good idea. So I always put my phone number in every newcomer's book. In two and a half years, I signed a lot of books, but I never received one phone call. I continued going to meetings and began working the steps, and I stayed sober. I did step three, which had me turn my will and my life over to God as I understood him. And that was where I stopped. The next group of steps appeared to be too difficult. And besides, now that God was in charge of my will and my life, if he wanted me to do them, I figured he'll let me know. <laughs> I stayed sober, but I wasn't happy. I still had many problems, especially in the area of relationships. And even my relationship with my higher power wasn't all it should have been. When things went the, the way I wanted them to, I took all the credit, of course. But well, when they didn't, which was most of the time, I had someone to blame it on. I spent most of my time wallowing in self-pity and blaming God for my misery. 
One Saturday morning, I decided to change the muffler on my car, which I was working on it. The wrench slipped and I cut my hand. I thought, damn, I'm going to have to hacksaw this thing out of there. So I crawled out from underneath the car and while I was bent over reaching into my toolbox for the saw, my back went out. Bleeding, dirty, and in pain, I said, God, what's next? At that moment, I started pouring down rain. <laughs> I looked up at the sky and said, All right, damn it, you're going to do this on purpose, and now I'm going to go and get drunk, and there isn't a damn thing you can do about it, I shouted to God. I threw my tools in the car and went upstairs to get cleaned up. As I was heading out of the house to walk to the store and get a big bottle of wine, the phone rang. I answered it and I heard, Hello, Pat. I went out and got drunk last night and I feel terrible. I need someone to talk to. I replied, Who is this? The man said, Barney, because I didn't know any Barney. I realized it had to be one of those guys whose meetings book I had signed. I said, Well, Barney, don't you know? You're supposed to call me before you go out and drinking. Now, here's what I wanted you to do. Here's what I want you to do. There's a meeting at Serenity Hall at 1 o'clock, and I want you to meet me there. Then I added, I might be a little late because I have to get my car back together, but you just wait for me, okay? I put down the phone and, re and forgot about what I had set out to do. I had made a commitment and I had to get down on the hall, get to the hall and help this guy out. So I went to the meeting, but Barney never showed up. I don't know to this day who he was. I stayed sober that day in spite of myself, and that's how AA works today. I believe in my higher power, a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God, who has been known to me sometimes as Barney. <laughs> Patrick K. from Lompoc, California. Oh, man. Then I tell you, these stories are wonderful capers. And we have hundreds of them. We should put them down on paper, folks. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I was uh, talking to someone yesterday after the meeting, actually two people and a new person that has 28 days. And they're telling me that we don't do meetings in California like they do back east. If someone starts to crosstalk, they cut them off right away. Uh, I guess we're too kind. And I told her, that's a very good point. I believe we are too kind. And people run over the meetings. And because of our compassion, we think they need to share. They get off topic. They use the word you. And they give advice. Or they complain and complain about their lives, about their children. That's why I told her I like literature meetings where we read half the time and then we speak on the subject because our brains run all over the place with emotions. Anyway, I was talking to her and over and over and I realized I wasn't going to get through the lady. I don't know if she's taking uh, pills, so forth. She did look a little red and uh, excessively talking. Um, but there was another man. He was waiting to talk to me and he has two years sober. The lady I was talking to has about 26, 28 days. So after after the meeting, she said, I wanted to talk to an elder. She called me an elder because uh, I had stopped someone from giving advice or tried to the day before in a meeting. 
you know, and I said, you have to speak to the group. You can't take someone individually, especially when they're new, and pound on them with your intellectual wisdom. I don't know how it went, but I just make it realized to the group that someone's taking captive and being contempt in the group by individually zeroing in on someone especially new. I've seen this over and over again, and the new person does not come back because after the meeting, that one that did the individual talking has them locked in their jaws for two, three hours after the meeting or even an hour. And they, these people got appointments. They got places to go, things to do, and they're so vulnerable and kind. They're too kind. They don't say, up your nose, brother. I got an appointment and leave. That's why I, I told the lady, have a stone face, you know, get to your appointments, get going. Don't let someone pound on you if you haven't told them to do that. If you don't consent to having, unless you ask someone, give your advice unless they ask you. The young man was standing there and he asked me for the advice. And I told him, I told him that God has the ability to change the molecules when he prays. He's looking for work. He's been at it for two years. He's been meditating a lot, 40 years old, has four kids, and probably having suicide and desperate thinking. And I told him, I said, he said he wanted to get into recovery and get a certificate and help others out, la, la, la. I said, well, this is the intern. Right here, running the meeting is the intern. Exactly what you saw me do with this lady, talk to her, try to get her straight out. That's what you got to do over and over and over again and refine it as you go. Not going to be perfect. And so we spoke and I said, uh, you know, when we say the prayers in here, God knows that we need jobs. He knows that we need resources to keep going so we can stay happy, joyous, and free. I was telling him about the many individuals that didn't have any jobs, come from recovery centers, and are making over 100000 a year in, in electrician and supervision and other areas and mechanics work. That's no lie, folks. In the Spanish, in the Spanish-speaking groups up in Sacramento, I learned this principle. The guy tell me, there's no need for work here. We have a God that gets us work, you know. And sure enough, I carry that principle always, that there's always restoration. That's God's specialty. Restore the individual to a right place in sufficiency. Well, I told the young man, we stood talking for about an hour. He said that I talked to him a couple of years before, and he's hung on to that talk. You know, he rarely comes to the meetings. When he does, he stands far off. He listens. And I just encourage him to uh, get in here and, and get involved and get sloppy and get pissed and get with uh, running a meeting and being part of it. I don't know how far I went. I gave him a pamphlet to read. I put a rubber band on his arm, say, you know, if you have different thinking, you just acknowledge God that you have stinking thinking and thank him for your stinking thinking and he will bring you back. You got to get a good habit on top of a bad habit. And I, the main point I want to get to you is that he, that God can change the molecules and get a Barney to call you. I drank last night and the compassion of helping someone is the key to this program. And I told him, told him I said, can God change the molecules in an instant? Well, 
How big is my God? I believe my God can. I believe he's done it thousands of times for me when I, when I am in a pickle, when I'm in a situation, when I'm mouthing off and uh, I don't understand, I can't stop, then I get a text. It's going to be all right, all is well. From a phone number, I don't even recognize it. At two in the morning, folks. <laughs> God is, God is present. When we seek him, our higher power, that's the beauty of the uh, concentrated program of the big book that says the only goal of the big book is for us to find a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity without drinking and causing havoc. That's what I told the lady. She said, lady says she doesn't want anything to do with God. So I try to back off and don't be so aggressive with pushing God on her. And just be kind to her. But I don't know what to say and do. Just keep my mouth shut and be an example, I guess. All right. It's a long podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Let's go to the seven-step prayer. And we'll finish off with the reading of the Proverbs 29. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me. Good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go off from here to do your bidding. Amen. All right, reading from Proverbs 29. My sponsor, King Solomon, wrote these things for me 3,500 years ago. Especially when it talks about foolish people, it punches me in the stomach and I get red. Because I know they're talking about me. Verse 1. He who is often reproved and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without mercy or without remedy. Excuse me. He who is often reproved and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Like a secretary, huh? <laughs> Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice. But a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice. The king establishes the land by justice. But he who receives bribes overthrows it. The king, a person, establishes his home by justice. Five, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Uh-oh. By transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. Amen. Okay, right here, the righteous, when we make we stumble or tore when we fall off when we fall off the wagon as far as yelling and screaming and, and being aggressive in our driving or saying the wrong thing or making a mistake. Our transgressions, we get out of them by singing and rejoicing. Folks, that's the honest truth of the Bible. We can sing and rejoice and act like it's a good thing on the on the uh, mistakes we make. Okay? We're not doing evil things we're not anyway for the most of us 
7. The righteous consider the cost of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. Yup, the righteous consider the cost of the poor. Scoffer ensnares a city. A scoffer ensnares a city, but wise men turn away wrath. Wise men appease it, turn away wrath. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, here we go. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. I have come a conclusion with that, folks, that when I contend with a foolish man in the AA meetings about uh, the way it should be run, I just use the, the, the situation as an example for the ones that will learn. It might be me that I need learning. So whatever it is, stay open-minded, give them the benefit of the doubt, and be as respectful as we can in the meetings, but spilling the honesty, speaking up the honesty. What do the traditions say? What do the traditions uphold? Is there a person here contempt to the crowd by their talk and is getting off subject? Or is there someone giving experience on their own lives? Mostly control freaks are trying to teach and tell others in their contemptuous speeches. Amen. May I not be one. All right, verse 10. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the just seek his well-being. Isn't this amazing? The fool hates the person that stands for righteousness, but the righteous person wants his well-being. 11. A fool vents all his feelings. A wise man holds them back. Amen. You know, it turns into honor when you get insulted and you say, you know, say to yourself, I love you and I forgive you and forgive the person. A wise man holds him back. There is a reward on that and it's called honor. Twelve. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. That was 14. 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Okay, folks, the rod and reproof give wisdom. What does that mean? It means that we get contaminated with foolishness and a good spanking will get it out of our hearts. It actually says that foolishness is wrapped around in the heart of a child and a good spanking will get it out. The rod and reproof. What's reproof? Is conduct, right conduct, reproof. It should be given to the person. And the rod is to get, get them in the now. Get them in the now. No fantasies of acting dumb, stupid, but get the wisdom out. Get the wisdom out with a rod and proper instructions. And don't feel like you don't qualify. You qualify. The, the rage and the common sense is enough. Rage, I mean, your hurt, your love, your love for the child. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I see it over and over. It's lack of courage. 
you know, thinking that words are going to take care of it. When the Bible says the rod and reef proof give wisdom to the child, when a child is left alone by himself to do what he wants, oh, you can be male, you can be female, you can do this, you can do that, hey, whatever he wants, you know, the that is that is the worst kind of, uh, what do you call a cowardness you can think of when a person expresses that. Right is right, folks. Wrong is wrong. Stick stick to your guns. They'll love you forever. They'll come back. As a matter of fact, that guy I was talking to, uh, they came to me the past two years. I had to reprimand him in one of the meetings. And, uh, and just like me, when I get reprimanded with those guys, I remember them for a long time because they stand up. For rightness, but at that moment, uh, you seem like you're in the wrong. You're the the bad one. But long term, it comes up, and then they come back, and they say thank you. A wise person will say thank you for the reprimand, the rod, and the reproof. It got to me. I <clears throat> when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Amen. 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give the light to your soul. Correct your son and he will give you rest. You know, the rest is you're not worried about them that are going to get killed today. Am I going to get that phone call today? He will give the light to your soul. Today I have the light with my kids because I came in early in life and I told them what I was doing. I told them what was happening in AA and how I was trying to change my life and preventing from drinking and so forth and so on. Today I have not seen my son's rage, cuss, or come against me in any other way. I haven't seen them with a drink in their hands at all. Where there is no revelation, 18... The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Oh, before I came to AA, my son had a nine-year-old party, and I gave him a Michelob for his birthday. See how I was training him to be a drinker? And uh, he, uh, he drank it in one drink. A nine-year-old, a little bottle, eight ounces, 12 ounces of Michelob. Just drank it, and I looked at him, and my eyes popped. And he looked at me, and he cluck, 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 cluck. I was aghast, fiberglassed, all that stuff. And thank God for Alcoholic Anonymous. Not only it changed my life, it changed their lives. So, yes, I have seen my oldest son with a beer. Down it. Today, he doesn't drink. Today, he's a pastor. Has four kids, owns his home, and helps others. We are doing the same thing. All right. Thank you, God. That's, and that's to God's credit, God's words. 19. A servant will not be corrected by mere words. Okay. The word servant or a child will not be corrected by mere words. For though he understands, he will not respond. So it takes God to use the knowledge upright, and then it's called wisdom. 20. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. 
Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. When I read that, I get a check. Am I a hasty man in my words because I talk so much? Huh. Probably, huh? You know, improvement is the biggest room in the house. I have room for improvement. There is more hope for a fool than for him. 21. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgressions. Amen. We get angry people that stir up strife in a, in a meeting, in a crowd. They're angry. If you smile at them, they get more angry. I had that happen. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Wow. A man's pride cannot retain honor, folks. It is the humble in spirit which retain honor. In other words, stick to your love, stick to your peace, stick to thanking God for the situation in front of you. Keeps us humble. Whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. Whoa. There's a lot of us that don't hate our, our own life before we come into AA. We hate our lives. That's the biggest problem I see people coming in. You know, at the bar, they're drinking because it opens up and pushes the hate aside and they feel the love of God. I did anyway. But now when I come into AA, I feel the love of God by taking in principles, stories, actions, recovery. I'm in love in, the, in what AA stands for. I love my life now. I'm not a partner with a thief. I'm, I'm a partner with a righteous person, a right person, who love their lives now. God made us that way, folks. Whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but reveals nothing. The fear of a man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know, a lot of people, we bump into a lot of trouble in this life when we give more respect to someone than God, more respect to someone than, you know, we need to be in love with our higher power and walk with them. And that only comes through a big portion of reading, folks. The words, my higher power is in the literature. You know, not, not in speaking words, but in the literature. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. So how do, we, how do you trust in the Lord? How do you thrust yourself into the Lord's hands to be safe? How do you do that? On your knees 20 minutes a day, praising him, thanking him, going over your gratitude list, thrust in him as a show? Or are we being snared? What's snared? Cables. We're, you know, you find a good job, cables hold you back. Unseen cables. Sin. You know, uh, fear of man produces more of what we fear, fear of others. When we fall in love with God, with a higher power, there's no fear. Fear casts out. Love casts out fear. 
Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for men comes from the Lord. That's one of the main reasons you want to say, I thank you, God, I messed up. I thank you, God, I'm a misfit. I thank you, God, you are, have the jewelry and the and the, the attorney and, and the judge announce you a pardon when you say, I thank you, God, I'm a misfit. You know, you're just, you're keeping the the lines open with the higher power and justice for man comes from the Lord. We try to get justice on our own and it's not fair and all this crap and we get into more trouble and the same cycle occurs over and over again. Man seeks the ruler's favor. Okay, we seek uh, justice from all, all the ones around us except the true justice that comes from God, from the Lord. Amen. And the way we do it with a rubber band. I thank you, God, I'm a misfit. And you got to keep trying and trying in life, hitting it and hitting and mystifying yourself, hitting it so hard that you mess up a lot. Try and try and try again. There's nothing wrong with messing up, folks. Is The wrong is, is not trying to accomplish something, help somebody, move something, start a meeting. Get in there and get embarrassed. Do the humble part. 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. And he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. Amen. That's the truth. We bump heads with people that are abomination to the people that are doing, especially running the meeting. And they don't like us and we don't like them. And he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. Amen. All right. I love you very much. Let's go ahead and and pray out with a set-aside prayer. We haven't done that in a while. God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, myself, my fellow man, for a fresh new revelation, inspiration, set of instructions in you, myself, my fellow man, and the work you cut us out to do in this program. In Jesus' name, in the name of your God, say it now. We thank you for this time. So be it. Amen. Please keep coming back. I love you. Give me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>